What's going on, everyone? And welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Breaking down another Cardinals loss on this Wednesday morning. It's after midnight, so I won't lie to you like I did yesterday when I said it was Monday. It was really Tuesday. I'll own up to it. It's Wednesday by the time I'm recording this. Back home from Bush Stadium where the Cardinals fell to the Mets on Tuesday night, 3 to nothing. It was another trying night for the Cardinals offensively as Chris Bassett for New York did pretty much everything he wanted in six scoreless innings against St. Louis. Gave up two hits, three walks, had six strikeouts, and again, no runs. Cardinals lost the game 3 nothing, so of course they didn't score any runs. Not a lot to talk about, really, from the offensive perspective for the Cardinals. DeYoung looked like he was off to another really bad game. He struck out a couple times in a row. Did then come back and have a couple decent at-bats toward the latter half of the game. Had a base hit to right field and then drove the ball pretty well to the outfield, but uh, not not deep enough. Balls were not flying out tonight, which is common for Bush Stadium. It's been the case. We know that it's a pitcher's park and pitcher's take advantage of that and, and have good numbers here. But that was maybe part of it a little bit. Ali Marmol, I like the the refreshing honesty that you get from him when, you, when you're asked, what did you think of the at-bats that your team took tonight? And he said, well, it depends on who we're talking about because some guys took good at-bats and others maybe aren't quite where they want to be. I don't feel like you would have really heard that with Mike Schilt and certainly not Mike Matheny. It, it was always kind of a talking in generalizations about the team as a whole. And Ali Marmol, already first month on the job, at least in the regular season, is saying, well, some guys, yeah, they they did take good at-bats. There were guys who didn't, though. And the fact that he's willing to say that, he's not naming names. It's not like he's throwing individual guys under the bus. But the fact that he's willing to say that, that's honesty. And, and I think it respects what fans and media and, and people watching see with their eyes, and it acknowledges that, We've got eyes, too, and, and so you can kind of try to put lipstick on that pig all you want, but some nights you got to be honest about it. And you said, yeah, certain guys didn't maybe have their their best uh, foot forward and, and have the, the types of at-bats that they wanted, but uh, confident still that they're going to be able to turn things around. And, and that's I'd expect nothing less from that standpoint is, yeah, you want a manager to be confident that his team's going to be a good offensive team. Remember, Ali Marmol saying that on opening day, that this was going to be a powerful offense. We still haven't seen that really play out necessarily. I'm going to run down a few of the the numbers for you, and I'll just do OPS to keep it brief, but there's a lot of numbers in this lineup of, of guys that just aren't performing at this point in the season. Goldschmidt, 666 OPS, number of the beast. O'Neal, 572. Oof, two strikeouts for him tonight. Carlson down to 488 after... An 0 for 3 night, though he did reach base via walk. 562 for Bader, 536 for DeYoung. And Yachty's somewhere in the 300s. Dickerson, I think, is somewhere in the 400s. That's not what you want, right? That's not what you want to see from more than half of your everyday lineup, your your daily eight or nine guys. I guess it's nine guys now with the DH. But you can't have that large of a number of guys just not producing offensively. And when you do, you have multiple games in a row where you don't really score runs. That's two days in a row the Cardinals haven't scored off the starting pitcher at all. And 
they've now got themselves a uh, three-game losing streak, I guess that is, right? Going back to the series finale uh, against the Cincinnati Reds. It's kind of where they are, and they only scored one game, uh, one run in that game as well. So offensively, it's been a downturn for sure after a pretty solid start to the season, and it's happening across the board. So a little bit of cause for concern, I would say, at this point, but when asked about it, Ali Marmol kind of listed off some of the pitchers that they had faced recently, and, you know, it, it was it was phrased, are you a tip-your-cap kind of manager? How do you view that? He said, I mean, you got to acknowledge and realize some of the, the arms that the Cardinals have faced recently. They're, they've faced good pitchers. They've kind of run the gauntlet a little bit. And Andrew Kisner, independent of what Ollie said uh, in his press conference, said kind of the same thing, like, we faced some good pitching, but we at the same time, you got to just continue to take your at-bats and, and try to turn things around. And the degree to which they're able to do that will be interesting to see. Cardinals, I guess, fall out of first place. I haven't looked officially at the standings, but knowing that they were basically percentage points ahead of the Brewers, and the Brewers won on Tuesday, the Cardinals lost, moving to 9-7 and seven on the season. So they're out of first place now. And offensively, they got to pick things up. But don't want to spend too much time talking about another boring game for the offense. Want to get into Jordan Hicks, who made his second start of the season and of his MLB career on Tuesday. And it ended up being more short-lived than he or the Cardinals had hoped because of an injury. And I'm going to say off the top, I don't think this is a long-term injury for Jordan Hicks. But if you if you saw the game, he got hit by a 99.7 mile-per-hour comebacker. I believe Dominic Smith was the batter. And it hit him kind of in the wrist area. Looked like forearm, wrist initially. And, of course, the pitching coach, the manager, the trainer, they all come out and take a look at Hicks. He ends up throwing a couple of practice pitches to test out the injury, show that he's okay. And right at that moment, I kind of thought, this is going to be a problem in the next inning. After he gets off the field, he goes in the dugout, he sits while the Cardinals do their batting, and and then he tries to go back out there. And sure enough, it kind of stiffened up on him, and, and you saw him start to spike some sliders that were like 53-foot sliders, maybe. Uh, it was it was pretty clear that he was being limited physically by the wrist situation. And Hicks said after the game that he did kind of make a motion. It was asked, you know, how is it that you came to, to see the, the trainers and, and everybody come back out for a second time there in the third inning? And he said he just kind of gave them a look. They were watching and, and said, hey, if anything doesn't feel right make sure you give us a signal to let us know and Hicks said he kind of felt it you know getting a little bit worse but tried to fight through for a couple of pitches ultimately it just continued to progress and get worse for him as uh, the swelling kind of went up and so he he made that signal and then ended up leaving the game there without recording an out in the third inning after the game he was by his locker in the clubhouse and had a wrap on the wrist didn't seem overly concerned about it. I feel like he probably will be fine to make his next start, but a lot of that is going to depend on what it looks like tomorrow, how how the swelling looks, because you want to make sure you have your normal routine. He said tomorrow would be a no-throw day anyway, but the day after and then the, the third day after a start, you maybe start to do some bullpen work and throw a little bit. So we'll see what that ends up looking like for Hicks. I don't think it's a, an injured list stint necessarily, but then again, if he would need to miss a start, that 
practically brings you to make it worthwhile to, to go ahead and retroactively put him on the injured list because you could bring him back basically on turn a little bit after uh, what his second turn would have been if if he only has to miss one start. I think it's still 10 days for the IL for pitchers right now. So I don't think that's going to be necessary. It seems like a, just a contusion. They called it a right wrist contusion. X-rays were negative for Hicks. So Again, I don't think it's going to be anything that impacts him long-term, but what was unfortunate about it was that he was pitching pretty well before the injury situation and then ended up giving up a couple of doubles in that third inning while he said he wasn't getting the pronation on his wrist. He just was stiff on him, and he wasn't able to, to get the life on his pitches that way, the way he normally could do, and the way he did in the, the first inning and through the early part of the second inning anyway before the injury happened. So... The bummer of it all is that I think they were going to let him go a little bit. They were going to let him eat. It was asked, you know, would you have maybe thrown 65 pitches? And he said, well, we really don't talk about the the number specifically, but it's just kind of a check between innings thing and let the staff know how he feels and, and see how deep he could go into that game. He threw 46 pitches in his last start, which was his first start, and I thought that was maybe more than I expected to see. The Cardinals allow him to throw, and so – in this game, it might have been 60, 70 pitches, uh, depending on how he was feeling and going, but that was obviously cut short by the line drive uh, off the wrist, and so they had to kind of abandon course with that. But he did end up throwing 42 pitches in this game, but it wasn't. It didn't sound like, the way it was described by Hicks and by Marmol, it didn't sound like it was a deal where, okay, he's up to 42, he's maybe got about 10 left, and then we're going to call it there. More than likely, if he doesn't get hit by that line drive, he has a more effective arsenal at his disposal in the third inning, doesn't give up multiple doubles and, and a run there, ended up being charged with two earned runs. The other one scored, I believe, after he left the game. But he probably has a better third inning, and, and that maybe gets him to a point where he's able to go four or even five innings based on the efficiency that, that he was showing there early on. So that's kind of the bummer of it. You could tell in, in his voice and in Ali Marmal's voice, uh, they kind of talked about, yeah, it felt good, looked good, and, and we were looking forward to seeing uh, maybe how DP could go. Kind of unexpected. I thought they were going to handle him with care, and it's not that they're being uh, flippant about it, but I like that they're starting to kind of have the mentality of, yeah, we're going to let him unleash it as long as things are looking good, and between each inning, he's telling us that he feels good, and, and on the mound, our evaluations of him look good. So, Maybe for his next start, that'll give you a better idea of, of maybe what we're looking at with Jordan Hicks. Not specifically a pitch count. Uh, it was interesting to hear him say that they haven't really talked a lot about that uh, heading into this start, but that it was just a feel thing. And unfortunately, when your wrist doesn't feel so good because you got clocked by a 100-mile-an-hour baseball coming your direction, he said he had a seam, like a, a seam printed on the inside of his wrist there. But he said mostly it caught the meaty part of the arm and not the the bone all that badly and, and that stands to reason when you hear that the x-rays were negative and so ideally Jordan Hicks will be able to come back for that next start uh, on turn whenever that may be for him five days from now other than that from the Cardinals on Tuesday there was an interesting situation in that lots of guys got hit by pitches in this game and I believe it was three and two three Cardinals or two Cardinals were hit and the Cardinals hit three guys I believe was the uh, the count by the end of it. Yeah, Edmund and Brendan Donovan both got hit. 
Dominic Smith, Pete Alonzo got hit, and that one was kind of up near the head area. However, it was with a changeup. I believe Cody Whitley was the pitcher for that one. Whitgren is who got Dom Smith, and Marte got clocked by Brooks. So it was a, a equal opportunity situation tonight. It just seemed, though, that none of these could have been intentional, at least from the Cardinals' side. Like, I guess it's possible. But one of them happened with the bases loaded. It, it walked in a run or hit by pitch in a run. So you'd have to think that in a 2 nothing game that was then 3 nothing at that point, Cardinals weren't looking to do anything there. But it was just the general energy of the reaction from the New York Mets bench every time one of these took place, especially the Alonzo one. That I think that's the one that brought out a good number of the, the, the Mets bench at that point in time. And you saw kind of both bullpens peek their head out and maybe take a couple of steps onto the warning track before ultimately returning. Cardinals stayed in their bullpen. Uh, there was one instance where Max Scherzer was chirping. The Cardinals dug out after one of the hit-by-pitches. And if you saw a video of that, you you know how intimidating that maybe was. Max Scherzer, I, I, I tweeted this out, but they, they don't call him Mad Max only because it's nice alliteration. Like, there's a reason. The guy's insane. But in a good way, like in a good competitive way. It was funny hearing Andrew Kisner talk about uh, a little bit of the kerfuffle going on after the game where he said, look, you got to understand the, the situation of the game to know that this was not intentional on either side. But when your guy gets buzzed up and in and, and gets hit in the head area, even though it was with a changeup, that's still Pete Alonso. That's their best player, their best offensive player. And he said, if, if Goldsmith or Arenado got hit like that, we'd be doing the same thing. We'd be upset too, even if we knew it wasn't intentional, but that's the way it is. That's, I mean, that's why a lot of this unwritten rules talk, you hear a lot of the kind of eye for an eye and, and people fall on different sides of the fence with what they believe should happen in those situations. And then you, you start to dissect the game situation like, well, would they really have done it at this point? And I think someone, one of the cameras on, on, on Bally or on the Mets broadcast, one of the two, I believe I saw somebody say that Showalter could be seen saying not with Goldsmith, which to me implies we wouldn't, like he's trying to articulate, we wouldn't have hit Edmund on purpose with Paul Goldsmith then coming up to bat, a, a player of his caliber, as the tying run in, in an important game. So I think that was, you know, kind of the, the way that that was discussed from the Mets side. None of these really seem to be intentional, but when Alonzo gets hit the way he does and it didn't look good, that's going to, it's just emotion. Even though you can sit back and think logically, the emotion of that moment is inevitably going to kind of ruffle some feathers, feathers a little bit. And Max Scherzer uh, kind of leading the charge there. It was really funny to watch him. He was, you know, saying some choice words, certainly over-directed, I think, toward uh, some of the Cardinals. I, speculation that it was Kisner, I couldn't really quite tell. And, and Kisner didn't really say anything about it, that specific exchange. And so I don't really know who Max Scherzer was talking to. But he was doing the like the universal signal for blah, blah, blah. You're talking too much. Like, just keep yapping your mouth and using a word that started with F a few times. If I if my lip reading was correct, I think that's what Max Scherzer was trying to get at. So, yeah, tensions were a little bit high. And so what I'm trying to say there is keep an eye out on Wednesday afternoon. Potentially uh, some fireworks could be in store for the day game beginning at 1215 at Bush Stadium. The one thing that could keep that from actually escalating to a serious degree is if the Mets hit one of the Cardinals first, which I, I anticipate 
that being the way it would go unless unintentionally a Met gets hit because the Mets seemed to be the side that was was kind of pissed off about the whole thing. So if anyone's going to start it, I think it's going to be New York on Wednesday, especially considering the fact that Steven Matz is the starter for the Cardinals and he's got a lot of friends over there. So I don't know that he's, you know, the former Met pitched with them for several years. I don't know that Steven Matz is necessarily looking for trouble uh, against that New York lineup tomorrow, but it'll be interesting to see, like, if one of the Cardinals gets plunked early in the game, how does Matz respond to that, or does he at all? Will warnings be issued? A little bit of intrigue for a, a series that, for the Cardinals so far, has frankly not been that intriguing because they haven't been able to hit the ball at all. So maybe we could get a little bit of artificial intrigue with the whole... Uh, beanball war that could ensue on Wednesday. Maybe we're making too much of it, but it is interesting to see five hit by pitches in a single game. And really you can look back and be like, yeah, Cardinals hit one of their guys with a curveball or vice versa, whatever it was like. These were a lot of off-speed pitches or one with the bases loaded where obviously the Cardinals would have to be kamikaze mission to think that that was worthwhile. So I don't think that was the case. I just think you saw a lot of wildness and Adam Adovino, former Cardinal, uh, had one of the hit-by-pitches late in the game, and he almost hit another guy. I mean, he almost hit Arenado on a, a pitch that was just – he was just wild. I think that was the story of the game for several of these pitchers, maybe a little bit chilly out there, and this time of year you have a little trouble feeling the ball. We've we've talked about the seams on the baseball making it harder to grip for some pitchers. Heard some complaints about that, so maybe that's part of it as well. I don't think there was a lot of intent there, but there might be tomorrow if uh, if they made the Mets mad enough to – where they would want to retaliate and then kind of knowing that the guy on the mound for St. Louis may not want to retaliate because he's buddies that, that with, you know, with the Mets teammates and the former teammates. So that could make it kind of interesting to see if it goes that route, but otherwise from Tuesday's game, not a whole lot of interest. I do want to give a shout out to Andre Pallante who has absolutely worked his way into heavy consideration uh, into the circle of trust. However you want to phrase it, he's in it. For the Cardinals out of the bullpen, he ended up being kind of the bulk reliever behind Jordan Hicks tonight. Three innings, three more innings than Hicks did. Only allowed three hits, didn't walk anybody, and, and no runs. So his ERA for the season down to 0.96. I think Andre Pallante could have a future as a starter in the big leagues for the Cardinals as early as next year. And with how kind of flexible they've been with things this year, like starting Jordan Hicks out of the gate or at least planning to do so, uh, despite the fact that he's not stretched out as a starter, with that kind of new age mindset, I wouldn't be surprised to see Palante be an answer if you need a starter down the road this season, if injuries kind of facilitate that and, and, and put you into a tough spot. They could say, well, this guy's already built up to where he's throwing three innings at a time in some of these games. We'll, we'll throw him into the rotation and build him up the same way they're trying to do with Hicks right now because I think he's ready for it, honestly. He looks really, really good. And, you know, you didn't really know that he was going to be a guy back in spring training that was going to get this opportunity this soon. You knew he was a future big leaguer, but uh, to to excel through spring training the way he did and, and earn the opportunity, he just continues to take whatever gets heaped onto his plate and, and, and do well with those chances. 23 years old, I think certainly you could see down the road he could be a fixture in the Cardinals rotation a year or two from now. That would certainly be possible to, depending on the way, uh, you know, free agency and Adam Wainwright, whether he stays or retires or whatever. Uh, he could, Palante's a name to watch for sure. I actually picked him up in a fantasy league today because I was like, man, down the road, this guy could be, for dynasty purposes, could be something special. And even right now, he's 
giving you good innings out of out of the bullpen in a relief role. So if you play fantasy, there's my little tip. Go see if Andre Pallante is around if you're in a dynasty league because uh, I think he could have some value. But he was really good for the Cardinals tonight, and he is not going to be the guy or, or one of the guys sent down whenever they do eventually lower the roster size from 28 back down to 26. No, Pallante's here. Uh, Aaron Brooks has not looked good. I, I can just come out and kind of say that. I, I know he doesn't have options. I think he probably clears waivers, If you know, especially another kind of rough outing for him tonight. I know they, they like him, and they, they saw some good things from him to get him on board, looked okay in spring, but uh, just hasn't really been able to get it figured out yet at, the, at this level this season. ERA near seven, had two hits he allowed tonight, as well as a walk and gave up an earned run. Uh, I believe that ended up being the hit by pitch that that caused that final run uh, to be scored by the Mets tonight. So we'll see. But but Palante is not going to be somebody going down. I'm just telling you now, he's here to stay as well he should be. So uh, Packy Naughton got into the game as well. I believe that was his Cardinals debut tonight. So an inning and a third for him allowed a hit, no runs. Good to see. And Cody Whitley's still a bunch of goose eggs on the season. Had a scoreless inning of relief tonight for St. Louis. That's going to about wrap it up, though. I'm droning on too long. It's almost 2 a.m. at this point, and i got to get to sleep because it's bright and early day tomorrow at Bush Stadium on Wednesday. Cardinals and Mets, 12.15, the start time down at Bush Stadium, which means I probably should get there earlier than that. You know what I mean? Probably should go ahead and uh, now that I don't, I don't have a radio show tomorrow, normally I do, so I haven't really been able to go to uh, the pregame festivities during the weekday games. But tomorrow is an example where I can do so, and so I'm I'm going to try to get down there. Steven Matz going for the Cardinals, two and one with a 5.27 ERA. He'll go against Carlos Cookie Carrasco, one and zero with a 1.47 ERA and 20 strikeouts on the young season. And St. Louis batters not a whole lot of success against Carrasco. Corey Dickerson is 0 for 10 against Carrasco. My gosh, that's a high sample size to have no hits. Albert Pujols, one for 11. You probably won't see him tomorrow. Yachty, a little bit of success, two for five, 400 average there. Nobody else has a hit off of Carrasco in their career. Not a whole lot of experience there, but uh, it'll be interesting. See Steven Matz against his former team. He's obviously with the Blue Jays most recently, but had spent a lot of time with the Mets prior to that, and so we'll be intrigued to see how uh, he ends up faring against New York tomorrow. He's been good in his last couple of outings. Cardinals hoping he can be good again on Wednesday. We'll try to get back with you on Wednesday night for another B-Shape Daily to wrap up the end of the Cardinals-Mets series. Make sure you subscribe to B-Shape Daily on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or even Google Podcasts if you're feeling frisky. And hit me up on Twitter at B-Shaper12 for any questions, comments, and concerns about the show or about the Cardinals this season. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace!